How do we tell if something is from God or whether it is a deception? How good are we at discerning these things? After half a century of observation, I have to say that the truth is that even the most experienced among us still aren't very good at it. For a group of people who claim to have the fullness, it often seems that we still have much to learn. Not in terms of mysteries, but in terms of fundamental understandings that every disciple of Jesus should have. Let's get into it. You know, on the topic of discernment, let's start with what can we discern about the current state of the church, just in general, not any particular denomination. Jesus instructed us that we are to make disciples of all men, but I'm beginning to think that over the years, we have mostly made converts instead. You see, a disciple is far more than a convert, I believe. A disciple is more than someone who simply confesses their faith in Christ or attends church and tries to follow the rules or be a good person. If we have made disciples, then I would say we have made disciples to an earthly organization or to a set of doctrines. But hopefully, and and I feel that we are now turning a corner on this, And with that turn, I believe we can expect God to bless our efforts. When it comes to discerning the spiritual condition of of any church or any group of people, the thing the Holy Spirit showed me was that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven in Mark chapter 16, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will be healed. I believe this verse is a vivid and also reliable measuring stick for discerning the spiritual state of of any church. And if we use that measuring stick, what do we see? But what about properly discerning personal spiritual experiences. Have you ever asked yourself what would happen if an angel of light appeared and gave you some set of instructions? I mean, this would be an astonishing, like awe-inspiring event. And I think if we're perfectly honest with ourselves, most of us would probably assume that they had just had an encounter with a messenger from God. And if we did bother to take the time to Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, as 1 John 4, 1 instructs us. How would we know if it wasn't from God, unless the content of their message made it obvious? Satan is seldom obvious. You know, the thing about deception is it can be very deceptive. Something I've noticed is that people fail to understand that One of our enemy's most basic strategies is to speak truth in order to get us. Something I've noticed that I don't think most people really understand 
and this is just based on experience, is that one of the enemy's most... <clears throat> something I notice that many people fail to understand is that one of our enemy's most basic strategies is to speak truth in order to deceive us. After all, he quoted scripture to Jesus to tempt him. And you see, the truth that Satan imparts is meant to be a sweetener to help us swallow the lie. But that truth is tainted, which ultimately makes it poisonous to consume. Something I've noticed and which I'm sure you can agree in your own experience is that when we ask God for something, when we ask a question, if we're asking him whether something is of him, we do not always get an answer right away. And I believe there may be several reasons for this. And I think one of them is that we are not truly ready or open to hear yet the answer that he has for us. Or maybe we're asking the wrong question. Another reason I believe that we do not always receive an answer right away is that the Holy Spirit provides manna from heaven, which comes at an appointed time. It's not drive-through, on-demand fast food service, no matter how much we may desire that. You see, I believe that God knows in his infinite wisdom that we grow from the experience of struggling seeking, studying our scriptures, and conversing with others, and praying. And it's from this process we learn to rightly judge the truth. We learn how to better detect deception in terms of looking for red flags, for example. And we shore up the foundation of our scriptural understanding through this search, often learning things as we are searching that we did not even intend to learn or even know that we were missing. And all of this draws us closer to the Lord, this searching, this struggle, this seeking, and it helps us to better hear the Holy Spirit. The experience also, I think, helps us discern between God and other spirits who can closely mimic the Holy Spirit. We gain all of this and more in the process of discovery, all of which we'd missed out on if he had answered us right away. When it comes to new revelations, uh, new doctrines or teachings, some believe just about everything that comes their way, while others disbelieve almost everything that is new or anything that appears to be different from what they're accustomed to. And there's even some who cannot even receive anything unless it comes directly from the leadership of the church. Those who believe almost every thought or impression that comes to them lack wisdom and are most certainly headed for trouble. But far more of religious people tend to fall into the second category of those who disbelieve almost anything that is different than well, what they've been taught or what they've known. No doubt, they imagine this to be the safer path to take. However, the truth is that those who are suspicious of everything out of fear of deception are already deceived. Certainly, we want to do our best not to be deceived, I mean, if we can help it. But fear of deception does not keep us from it. It, it actually ensures it. 
For whatever we fear has power over us. So know this, that perfect love, the perfect love of Christ that is in us, casts out all fear. That's 1 John 4, 8. Some basics I have learned about discernment or the discerning of spirits is that, number one, it is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Therefore, not everyone has this gift automatically. And number two, even those who walk in this gift of discernment can be misled. And that discernment, like any other gift, is one we must grow in. Satan's greatest deceptions are the most subtle ones. Often there is no way to actually know immediately whether something is of God or not. Sometimes we do not find any known contradictions to our scriptures. Sometimes there are no obvious red flags until quite some time has passed. So when a word or a doctrine or a teaching is spoken or published that alleges itself to be of God, if there is no apparent contradiction to the scriptures, and we do not immediately receive either an affirmation or a warning from the Holy Spirit or a revelation in regards to its origin, I would argue that we could treat it as a seed and do even as Alma instructs. So number one, don't immediately pluck it out with unbelief. And number two, see what manner of fruit it bears. This does not mean that we accept it as truth. But it means allowing a season to ponder, a season to study and pray and fast about it, to seek confirmation one way or the other. And depending on the nature of that revelation, possibly even be able to experiment on it. Having said that, we must remember that it is in the mouth of multiple witnesses that God establishes his word. And that if a revelation, doctrine, or teaching runs counter to foundational scriptures, then we should be on guard and distance ourselves from it. Of course, this does beg the question, what scriptures are foundational? Now, just in case you are new to this channel or haven't heard me say this before, and because this channel is directed at Christians and Mormons and ex-Mormons and, and other Book of Mormon believers or anyone that's really desiring to draw closer to Jesus, I would just say that for a Christian, that's going to be the Bible, especially the New Testament and the prophets. And for Book of Mormon believers, that will also include the Book of Mormon as well as the Bible, which the Book of Mormon, I find to be in full agreement with the Bible. It is not in agreement with Mormonism or many of the precepts of Mormonism, but it is in agreement with the Bible. And it does not support, but actually testifies against many of the corrupt ideas and doctrines that entered into the restored church soon after its inception. Joseph Smith and the very first elders of the church were instructed to rely on these two books and also to preach out of these two books. In 3rd Nephi, Jesus very plainly tells us what his doctrine is and warns us that if we take away or add anything to it and call it his doctrine, those who do so come of evil 
and that hell stands ready to receive such. And then the church went and printed a book of doctrines called the Doctrine and Covenants. So I'll just go on record here as I have done so in the past and say that these foundational scriptures that we should rely on do not include books such as the Doctrine and Covenants or the Pearl of Great Price, which would include the book of Moses, the book of Abraham, and the articles of faith. I'm not going to say that there is no light or truth to be found in any of those or in the Doctrine and Covenants, but again, as we have already shared, Satan also shares truth mixed with lie. And so I would say those foundational scriptures need to be the ones that God said were our foundational scriptures, the ones that would set the stumbling of the Gentiles right. It should not include potentially apocryphal teachings or writings, things such as the King Follett Discourse. And now that I have offended quite a few people, I feel it is important to say that if we ask God if something may be true, that we can see in our foundational scriptures that Jesus taught contrary to or otherwise, then to continue to inquire of the Lord to find out if it is true, especially if some part of us wants it to be true, will open us up to be delivered over to deception. The scriptures warn us of this. So let me reiterate this truth. We should rightly be suspicious and leery of any revelation, any doctrine or teaching that appeals to our desires, our flesh, or our ego. And if we ask amiss because of a wrong desire in our heart, we are opening ourselves up to deceiving spirits. And if you are unsure of the source of this revelation, but the spirit that is attached to that revelation is pushing you to act on it, even though you haven't had time to properly evaluate and pray over it, this should be a red flag. I would like to share something that I've observed over the years regarding two dangerous extremes and how some people regulate their spiritual walk. And the first one is those who follow after the spirit without being properly grounded in the scriptures. And the second is those who hold fast to the scriptures, but lack in the spirit and therefore interpret the scriptures according to their own understanding. A person in the first category will ultimately follow whatever thought, feeling, or impression that comes their way, so long as it fits what they desire. Not being well grounded in the scriptures, they ultimately know not what spirit they are following. When someone, out of concern, tries to share a scripture that conflicts with the direction that they're going in, they will either reinterpret that scripture to their favor or possibly dismiss that scripture altogether, claiming that it is corrupt. Whereas a person in the second category finds themselves in danger of becoming a modern day Pharisee. For the letter without the spirit is the ministration of death. Even as Paul points out in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, he has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, 
but the Spirit gives life. Both of these extremes fall short and leave us in a ditch, either to the left or to the right of the straight and narrow path. And so I have come to the conclusion that the rod of iron in Lehi's vision, which represented the word of God, must consist of both the written word and guidance of the Holy Spirit. In the final analysis, I find that we, the church, are not fully prepared to properly discern truth from deception, except in more obvious cases, of course. And certainly, we are far behind where we ought to be in our understanding. We are perhaps like those who are addressed in Hebrews 5.12, which reads, By now you should be teachers. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the first things you need to know from God's word. You still need milk instead of solid food. It is only by God's grace that more have not fallen than have. Far too many are already fallen and even now trapped in a lie. Knowing that in these last days, deceptions will wax worse and worse. Even as 2 Timothy 3.13 tells us, until the last great deception comes upon the world. So may we study to show ourselves approved and heed the lessons of each day. May we learn not to lean on our own understanding, but in reliance upon the word of God, both in scripture, but also in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. May we continually seek the face of God, that we may grow in him, even as he continues to take up greater residence in us. Amen. And if I haven't completely offended you, I hope you will join us next time. And until then, God bless.